Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of December 8th, 2020. Second week of December already. And this is officially episode number 461. And this is your host, as always, Dr. Brian D. Parsons. And we are live on the Paranormal King radio network at ParanormalKing.com. Last week on the show, we started the Top 10 paranormal news stories with uh, number 10 and number 9. So I'm just kind of uh, metering these things out to you two at a time. So, of course, tonight we continue the top 10 paranormal news stories of 2020 with number 8 and number 7. And don't worry if you missed last week. I won't make you listen to the entire show again. I should, but I won't. Uh, I'll give you the short recap of number 10. And number nine, and uh, if you uh, follow me on social media, Facebook or Twitter, and that would be uh, facebook.com forward slash Insider or at Insider on Twitter, uh, I, I kind of had, uh, I'm usually pretty good with following the news and, and knowing what's going on and uh being out ahead of everything and following up on stories, but man, oh man, did I mess up last week? Um, I'm going to start this story off way, it's way down at the bottom, but I'm going to do it the first story because I feel horrible. Uh, I was so saddened uh, by this story last Tuesday, um, quite a day for me. Uh, so I went into work, I, I left here, left home at, um, uh, five in the morning and I don't think I, I didn't get home till after 7 p.m. Uh, so it's quite a long day very tired uh, just had time to quickly get something to eat get a little bit prepped uh, for work I mean for yeah for work for my second job here behind the mic and I didn't have time to go through uh, any of the stories or look at updates or anything like that I just kind of got sidetracked uh, oh, that was the day of the snow, actually. Yeah, that's why. That's why I was home so late. Actually, I, I didn't get home till uh, yeah, almost probably almost quarter after seven, something like that. So yeah, it was pretty hectic. Took me a lot longer to get home from work than normal. Granted, uh, now I have a job. Uh, I just started on Monday, yesterday. That uh, takes me almost fifty minutes to eh, about fifty minutes right now to get to work from 15 minutes where I was last week. So that's going to be fun. If it snows like that again, it's going to be at least two hours or more for me to get home. But anyway, uh, finished the show, got the uh, file and got everything updated. And I uh, was going through some emails and lo and behold, I found the news that I didn't know. And I wish I would have had for the show talking about the Arecibo radio telescope. So last week I reported how people, uh, had filed uh, with the White House to try to um, hopefully save this structure, get some emergency money, and be able to 
uh, somehow, some way, run cables or to fortify the structure somehow. But uh, unfortunately, that morning, um, 12 hours prior to going on the air, the Arecibo radio telescope collapsed on its own. Um, usually, stories don't affect me emotionally, but I'll tell you what, I, I got, I got actually got choked up with that because you know I've really been a fan of this telescope for a long time and. You know, a few years ago, there was the same kind of warning that was going to get shut down and people were kind of fearful of it. And lo and behold, they threw a bunch of money at it and it continued to work. Uh, but to find out that it just collapsed on its own was, uh, was pretty sad. And there's actually a video that was posted on YouTube. Uh, they've got uh, they had drones going at the time. Uh, but the first video to show up was just uh, kind of an overview. You could see uh, the tower in the background where the cable uh, kind of came undone, snapped, uh, the structure moved, and the other cables uh, then couldn't hold that weight any longer. And they came out, and uh, the entire structure just it just collapsed on its own. So the video shows uh, a cable snap that caused a series of breaks, and the platform... Um, Gosh, it, it just smashed everything. Uh, parts of the cable towers came off. Uh, it smashed a lot of trees, and it crashed into the uh, aluminum panels. Uh, it was kind of off to the side, so it wasn't. It didn't drop straight down. Uh, kind of into a, a hillside, more or less. So it really destroyed everything. But there's a lot of sophisticated equipment that was attached to that 900-ton tower, or the, uh, uh, yeah, the tower. Um, yeah, so there was tension in the cables, and it caused the the uh, structure to move. Um, so yeah, it was actually 12 hours before the show, so it didn't go. It didn't fall after it fell before 7:55 a.m. on Tuesday, December 1st. The uh, platform collapsed. I do have a picture here that I'll show you. Uh, lots of stuff coming out about it. Uh, initially, there was. Uh, a plane that flew over it and took pictures and uh, they were showing the original video. Uh, but then there was drone videos that were shown uh, some close up stuff, which is, which is actually pretty, pretty scary to watch, but you can see how, uh, here's a good one, how the, um, the cables just, just spun apart, just ripped themselves apart. And uh, you can see the, this is a pretty big picture here. Uh, the destruction, the, how it, uh, the platform ended up almost partially in that uh, mountainside, and the rest of it just kind of tumbled to the bottom. Uh, snapped cables, tore holes in those aluminum panels uh, below the structure, and uh, yeah, it's done. It's uh, it's it's gone. They're not going to be able to fix it. They're not going to spend the money to fix this part of it. Uh, it'll eventually be torn down. Uh, parts of the area though will stay intact, and they're going to continue to use the uh, Arecibo area for um, other other things, other projects. Um, so the learning center below the dish, so underneath that dish, there's a little learning center, uh, partially damaged. Uh, nobody was injured due to safety precautions. Uh, the U.S. National Science Foundation of the NSF had ordered the area cleared since the second cable failure of the year happened on November 6th, uh, when the initial one was in August. 
however, Angel uh, Vasquez, the observatory's director of telescope operations, was in the control room with others removing valuable equipment when the platform gave way. So the control room is off to the side. It's not below the dish. It's way off uh, on the right-hand side, I guess, of I think of this picture. You can't see it, though, but it's off to the... Yeah, you can see it in this picture. So you can see the command center. It's... Well, that's not the... The command center is back behind there, I believe, uh, not where the tower is uh, that holds the cables. But... Um, they were in there re removing stuff when the platform gave away. He said, uh, during the week, other cables on the arm that broke began to fray. So you could see strands of uh, the cable coming undone. And if you watch the drone footage, the drone footage captured the moment when one of the cables came undone and snapped and, again, caused the other cables to break because they couldn't hold the weight. The platform started to move and once that uh, 900 tons starts to move, it's really kind of hard to stop it. And, of course, it, uh, the other cables kind of held on to it until it smashed and uh, just destroyed itself. Now, I uh, do have uh, – somebody did do a composite of the initial video as well as a second uh, – the uh, second video – one of the second videos that showed up, which was the drone footage. Uh, so they kind of put it together. You can kind of see it course on social media but all of this most of this stuff came out through social media so you can see a composite of uh, two synchronized videos now this is just um, stills uh, but you can see on the top would be there's the 900 ton platform with the cables holding it and then the far in the background is where the cables came undone and it started to collapse toward, not toward the camera, but kind of off to the right. In the lower, you can see the top of the tower where they knew the uh, cables had been frayed and they were just watching it. And in the picture, you can see the, the cables just basically exploded at that point, is pulling out. And a couple seconds later, the, the other cables that are in that tower gave way and snapped. And it, it didn't take too long. It was literally 30 seconds um, gosh, not even 30 seconds, probably six seconds. That thing was pretty much trash. And uh, it took a, a little while for everything to fall. Trees were falling and everything else. Uh, it was pretty sad to see. Uh, so engineers had deemed the structure unsafe and had stated, as we've talked about here on the show, that it might collapse on its own even if it were stabilized. And the observatory was officially decommissioned on November 19th. And the assessment proved correct. Yes, as it gave away on uh, Tuesday, December 1st, one week ago at 7.55 a.m., uh, the 900-ton platform was suspended 500 feet above the dish. And yeah, it's, it's gone. So uh, other parts of the observatory will be maintained including uh, there's a 12-meter radio telescope still in use and uh, as well as a LIDAR facility. But the 305-meter, uh, 1,000-foot telescope is now officially gone forever. It's going to be probably scrapped. Hopefully, they put some pieces up for grabs online. I would love to uh, own a piece of that history, maybe. We'll see what happens. Um, 
but yeah, it's uh, pretty sad. Uh, sad situation. So we're going to go from that back up to UFOs. And boy, I'll tell you, a scary scene in Utah as uh, a mother was dropping her son off for school. It's kind of unheard of. I guess that's a scary thing. You don't hear about that anymore, at least here in Ohio. I don't know anybody else, but uh, kids are out of school now. Everything's virtual again for a little while. Of course, they're on uh, winter break pretty soon, uh, most of them. Uh, so at Cedar Ridge Elementary in Utah, uh, so around 9 a.m., they both witnessed a giant V-shaped UFO flying nearby. Uh, pretty scary. And she shot video, which, of course, was uploaded to social media. Why not? It's the knee-jerk reaction of anybody nowadays. Um, so Facebook, by her husband, who was uh, helping in the search for answers. So he put up uh, kind of a, a plea for help. Hey, my wife saw this. My kids saw this. I didn't get to see it. Uh, but can anybody help me figure out what this is? And, of course, it gained a little bit of traction. And I'll, I'll throw a picture of that also in the chat room. So if you're not in the chat room, you're missing out. This uh, extra extra dimension, if you will, to the show where we get to, you guys get to see some pictures if you're in the chat room. And if you listen to this as an archive, that's, you're too late. Uh, you can't go to the uh, chat room and uh, see these pictures. It's too late. It's over. Um, and, of course, there's the dreaded red circles. Uh, but pretty cool. See this giant V-shape flying through the sky? Um, had to be pretty neat. Uh, but, of course, uh, I think the media – so the media picked up on this, and people were talking about it. And lo and behold, sometimes – yeah, this could be a good thing uh, because uh, one man stepped forward and admitted it was him. He did it. It's not him up there in that thing, but uh, he was uh, to blame for the sighting. And unfortunately, it was a sad but true tale of loss. Bill Chandler was an earth science teacher at the nearby Skyview High School, stated that the V-shaped object was his fault. And the object was, I know, brace yourselves, a balloon. Yes, a 50-foot solar bag that he uses for a density and thermodynamics demonstration, which uh, essentially shows how warm air rises, pretty much. Uh, the bag had been used and patched numerous times, which led to its odd shape. So it should be... Uh, elongated, uh, but this is just kind of uh, bent in half. So uh, Chandler said uh, the balloon was lost as winds suddenly picked up and was uh, pretty much swept away. You had to cut the lines, and uh, it just uh, got away. And it's only the second one he's lost in many years of conducting the experiment for his students so the Skyview High School, very close to this elementary school, uh, where mom and son saw this object. And 
Yeah, Chandler was not happy as the bloom got away. As he told the Herald uh, Journal, quote, I'm not super pleased with the environmental implications of this toy when used untethered. Uh, That really is a great deal of plastic to release into the environment. That's the equivalent of littering an entire roll of 50-gallon garbage bags, unquote. And uh, he's currently looking into ways to keep better track of the bag in case this incident were to happen again. (sighs) Giant garbage bag flying through the air. But at least we got the answer. You know, sometimes you see these videos and it's uh, everybody speculates. Some people are uh, fully believing that it's a UFO. It's some kind of alien technology or maybe uh, a government-funded dark project that uh, just got caught on video somehow. And other people are like, no, dude, that's a balloon. It's just uh, explainable. Usually people argue back and forth. No, it's CGI. No, it's a, it's an alien. Uh, no, it's a, a garbage bag. No, it's an alien. People go back and forth, and there's no answers uh, because in, you can analyze the video, but unless you have other corroborating facts or other information to say it's one or not the other, uh, you're stuck. And there's really nobody's right, nobody's wrong. You can speculate all day long, but uh, this one definitely uh, was uh, solved, which is a good thing. And speaking of UFOs and UFO reports, MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, has released their sighting statistics for the month of November 2020. Of course, because we're in December, so they're uh, obviously a month behind because they just uh, came out. And it's been a roller coaster of a year for MUFON with uh, record-setting highs and sightings in April with 1,026 total sightings and uh, 770 for the United States, both high watermarks for uh, about the last five years. Uh, Sightings then not only went back to normal, but they actually dipped well below average numbers uh, for, I mean, for the, geez, going back to, uh, at least the last five, six years uh, that I have on record, it's, it's well below normal in my opinion. Uh, despite headlines about record numbers of worldwide UFO sightings, which we, we've seen that all year long. Uh, on July 3rd, MUFON Executive Director Jan Harzan was arrested on multiple felonies, including soliciting a minor for sex. Uh, for the month of October, MUFON turned in 414 Sightings with 340 in the United States, and I had predicted 439 and 351. So, eh, not really close on the total, but decent on the U.S. sightings. Uh, this preceded 404 total sightings in September. So, a big dip. Don't know if the uh, executive director news had anything to do with that, or it's just... Things just settling down in the UFO world, you know, post-lockdown COVID for most of the world. Uh, Don't know. Uh, Last year's lowest total was 483 in April, and the last sub-500 total was back in March of 2017 with 478. So looking at last month, 
uh, November of 2020, I predicted, uh, I don't know why I still do this. I gave it up for a while, uh, but I came back to pre- making predictions. It's just something fun, I guess, something additional for the story each month. So I predicted 402 total sightings and 327 for the United States. But uh, again, I was off for the uh, worldwide sightings. So MUFON reported 428. So it was off by 26. And I think that's 90, would it be almost 94 percentile? So that's not too bad, but I've done better. Uh, And the U.S. reports, I was off by five. So it was 322. I'd said 327. So not too bad, not too shabby. So, yes, uh, 322 for the United States. Uh, Canada was second. They turned in uh, 34, which is quite a a dip. Uh, The United Kingdom was next with 18. Poland had 13. Brazil had seven, France six, Australia four, South Africa had three, and Germany, Indonesia, and the Bahamas. Well, I could go for some time in the Bahamas right now. Uh, They had two each. And there were 13 other countries and territories that turned in one report each. And as far as the United States, uh, 322 sightings, California like usual, they know how to party. Uh, they had the most sightings with 34. Texas was not too far behind with 32, followed by Florida with 28. Arizona had 19. New York had 16. Ohio, 15. I didn't report any. Uh, North Carolina had 14. Illinois, 11. Michigan had 10. Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Massachusetts had nine reports each. And then we have Colorado and Minnesota with eight. Washington had seven. Indiana had six. Missouri, Oklahoma, Oregon, South Carolina, and Tennessee had five each. And Connecticut, Nevada, Georgia, Maine, Wisconsin, as well as the District of Columbia had four each. And uh, I'm not really doing the per capita breakdown until it's just so so low of a total number. And none of these states really jump out uh, above the, I call it kind of the Mendoza line of 0.25, you know, a quarter of a person per 100,000. But um, yeah, it's just too low. Uh, but with the uh, record month earlier this year, uh, MUFON is on, still on pace to beat last year's total number of cases. Uh, so in 2019, MUFON had a total of 7,134 cases. And currently through November, they have 7,097. So won't take too much for them to beat last year's number. Uh, last year averaged just around 594 cases per month. So uh, with this year so far averaging 645 cases per month, but I uh, predict that next month it's going to drop. It won't be that high. 
Uh, it's going to be less, way less than 645. And my guess for next month, my prediction for the month of December, I'm guessing it's going to be the second lowest total of 2020. I'm going out there. I'm going to predict 412 total sightings and 318 in the United States. So, yeah, I was wrong again, but I was pretty close. So I predicted 402 total. MUFON had 428. So, yeah, I was not really super close. But um, I said 327 for the United States. It was 322. So that's pretty good. It's pretty good. I've been off by one. I've never been... I've never been perfect on either one, but I've been off by one before. So, yeah, I don't play the lottery. There's a reason for that. So we'll see what December brings and where their totals are. And we'll go over that in uh, January. Of course. So uh, followed you uh, or followed you. I got you up to date on the Arecibo incident and I didn't do my due diligence I didn't get to read about that uh, in time for last week's show so I made darn sure I was ready for this next story of an update from last week and it seems like so much has happened in the last seven days since uh, we talked about this particular story so probably the biggest thing going on right now in the world of the paranormal if you want to call it the paranormal I don't really think it is that's why I didn't put this in the top 10 so far. Maybe it is. Maybe maybe it's in there tonight. Maybe I shouldn't have given it away. Uh, so the details to, of the witness of the disappearance of the Utah monolith, which we kind of figured that out. It seems to, to be true. After uh, Extreme Sports YouTube star Andy Lewis posted a video of himself and friends wheeling away the remnants of the three-sided structure uh, in a wheelbarrow. They just put it in a wheelbarrow and took it to their truck and, and took it away. So Ross Bernards, we uh, talked about this last week. Um, he stated that four men approached the monolith on Friday night, knocked it over while stating, leave no trace. And he said, hope you got your pictures. Uh, so Lewis and friend Sullivan Christensen made a statement to Grit Daily News last Tuesday saying that he and his friends removed it due to the number of visitors that were ruining the natural landscape by trying to get to it, which is pretty true. I mean, there was just cars everywhere. I've seen some pictures, uh, cars running over plant life, ripping out uh, rocks out of the wall, and, and uh, there were cars that were getting towed out of there. I mean, but you think about it, a wheelbarrow? It's not like that's going to do any damage, right? Uh, so the men in their interview, they commented, they said, quote, we want to make clear that we support art and artists, but legally and ethics have defined standards, especially here in the desert. Uh, this land wasn't physically prepared for the population shift, especially during a pandemic. People arrive by car, by bus, by van, helicopter, planes, trains, and motorcycles. Not automobiles, motorcycles and e-bikes. And there isn't even a parking lot. 
there aren't bathrooms. And yes, pooping in the desert is a misdemeanor. And there was a lot of that, unquote. Ah, boy. And uh, we knew it. We knew it was going to happen with uh, these monoliths. And of course, right after that, December 2nd, Wednesday, so the following day after the show, a third monolith was discovered in California. Uh, it was discovered on December 2nd. Gary Lyons hiked Pine Mountain in California Wednesday morning to discover the monolith. So it had not been there the previous day. He hikes that area every day. And uh, not sure if you got to see that one. It's been kind of a flurry of monolithic news a little by little or day by day. So throw a picture of the California one in there. So yeah, the fourth one discovered. And of course we had one in Utah, uh, then Romania. And of course the uh, Utah monolith was removed one day after the second monolith was discovered in Romania. And of course that monolith was removed one day before the California one appeared. Uh, and the one in California was a three-sided stainless steel object as well, uh, although this one was basically just sitting on the ground and it weighed uh, approximately 200 pounds. Uh, sometime, of course, sometime Wednesday night, uh, somebody toppled the monument over and took it away. So it was gone by Thursday morning knocked it over, and took it with them. Uh, the quick dismantling of this structure, uh, when I saw that one last week, I kind of wondered, uh, the, uh, you know, are we going to continue to see this stuff? So this picture, um, the guy that was in there, in that picture, he was taking a picture of the uh, skyline that you could see up there on the, the hill. But uh, it's part of a video, so there's a video of all that. So he's just facing. He's not. He's not doing anything. He's taking pictures. He's not doing anything else. If you're wondering, uh, so you knew it wasn't done, and I kind of waited. I didn't really hear anything for a couple of days. But yes, of course, the fourth monolith was discovered again in California, in the Joshua Tree National Park. And if that wasn't enough, a fifth one was discovered on Sunday, December 6th on the Isle of Wight. Uh, but who really cares? They're everywhere now, and uh, they're not really even being reported in the order in which they're being discovered anymore because they're popping up everywhere. Uh, forget it. Forget trying to figure out which one is what. Uh, Belgium, Spain, Germany, and uh, of course, one in Colombia. That's gold. I haven't seen that picture of that one yet. Uh, I really haven't looked. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's crazy. They're popping up like everywhere. And uh, a lot of them are gone. A lot of them have been stolen, knocked over, destroyed. Uh, I don't know of any of these that are still intact anywhere. Uh, but now we have a potential... 
lead. And I say potential. Some of the news organizations are, are printing this up as fact, but I'm not sure at this point. It's still just a, to me, it's a social media. I don't want to say a rumor because I've read the the, the uh, I've read the messages, but I, I don't know if they're really if this is completely 100% true. But a collective of artists under the name the most famous artist. So it's a collective of people under that uh, umbrella name. Uh, they've claimed responsibility for the steel structures. I I don't know how many of them. Uh, they claim around the world. And not sure if every single one of them is theirs, though, because some of these look like uh, the one in California looked like it was just put together the night before. Uh, the guy that's in that picture, taking a picture off to the uh, the trees there, stated that uh, it's pretty rough. Uh, it just kind of haphazardly put together. It's heavy, uh, but it had to be made fairly recently. And the, the dirt that's on the ground was recently moved. Uh, so I don't know. This collective thing, I'm not sure. And of course, this all boils down to money because they've, uh, again, they're claiming responsibility and they're also purportedly in the works to design and sell them. So, yeah, that news right there is hopefully enough to, uh, to, to stop this. This is craziness. Uh, these things are popping up everywhere. I saw, I didn't get this picture, but uh, I saw a McDonald's. Actually, had one, uh, the original one in Utah. They changed it to make it look like a a drive-thru speaker. Pretty cool. Uh, But uh, yeah, they're uh, everywhere now. United Kingdom, Belgium, Spain, Germany, California, and of course, Romania. So eh, who cares anymore at this point? But uh, we'll see how many more. We'll see how many more we see by next week. I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's just kind of over. And the fact that people are knocking these things over and stealing them, it kind of takes it away. You know, if if people are leaving these alone and saying, "Hey, let's pay homage to these things," this is pretty cool to see, and they were popping up everywhere. That would be kind of one thing. Uh, but now people are putting them up, and they're literally destroyed. You know, hours later or a day later, uh, what's the fun in that? I mean, I'm sure there's some that popped up locally and were destroyed and people didn't even talk about them. Didn't get out. So, yeah, it just kind of got ruined. And that's uh, one of the reasons why. So I see a comment in chat there about uh, glad it never made the top 10. Well, that's why I waited. Because uh, when it first hit, it was a really big story. And I thought, gosh, you know, this is, uh, this is pretty big news here. It's been talked about by, you know, a lot of people all over. the. It's, it's a worldwide story. Uh, but it just seems like it's just so muddied. Everybody jumping on the bandwagon. It's kind of like the Area 51 thing. Just really run through the, the mud. And uh, it's almost just, I'm tired of talking about it already. It's just, everybody jumped on that bandwagon. But... It is what it is. Uh, anyway, it's pretty much the news uh, that we have for this week. But I do want to talk about the top 10 paranormal news stories of 2020. And, of course, uh, rehash number 10 and number 9. I also talk about and debut 
the number eight and number seven story on the top 10 paranormal news stories of 2020. And, you know, of course, everybody's speculating that uh, COVID would be the number one story. Is, is COVID really paranormal, though? Got a lot of UFO stuff, right? Still got some stories. A lot of stuff. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's not. Who knows? Uh, but uh, hopefully debut that one. That more than likely be uh, the last week of December is what I'm shooting for. Uh, if, you know, whatever happens, if you know we miss a show or two or three or whatever, uh, still run it as, uh, you know, probably the beginning of the year. It's nothing, no real big deal. I don't think anything is going to pop up. Of course, the last time I said this, the monolith story broke, but I don't think anything's going to pop up that's going to knock anything out of the top 10. But you never know. I, I say that every year, and there's uh, every now and again a story that gets a little too close for comfort. And I think I have bumped uh, well after I talked about it, though, but I bumped, I moved some stories around, but uh, it was after some careful thought. Uh, but Again, that was the lower stuff. It wasn't anything like a number one story that took over. So counting down the top 10 this year, the top 10 paranormal news stories of 2020. Of course, last week I talked about number 10, and I mentioned it tonight during the MUFON sighting statistics. Yes, Jan Harzan, the head of the Mutual UFO Network at the time, which uh, MUFON's the largest UFO research and investigation outlet in the world. There's a lot of them. Uh, they've been around uh, a long time. Back in the heydays of UFO research. And uh, right around the time in the 80s when they pretty much all went under. You know, MUFON's still here for the most part. And who knows? This uh, could be the beginning of the end. Well, not really the Beginning, kind of like maybe chapter 15. And uh, we'll see. It's uh, not a good thing. And the uh, story, it was, it was kind of surprised, kind of shocking. You don't expect, like, you know, Jan Harzan seemed like a, a very well-spoken, uh, educated guy. He had a little, some flaky beliefs, as, you know, a lot of us UFO people do. But it is what it is. Uh, but it kind of, you know, shocking with the allegations. And the Huntington Beach Police Department arrested Harzan as well as another gentleman uh, back on July 3rd and July 8th, respectively. Uh, it was a sting operation with adult men targeting minor females. Uh, a Facebook post on the Huntington Beach Police Department's page said in part, on July 3rd, detectives contacted a male by the name of Jan Harzan after Harzan solicited sexual activity from a detective that he believed was a 13-year-old girl. Uh, the suspect solicited the minor to meet for the purpose of engaging in sexual activity, and when the suspect agreed to meet the supposed minor, detectives were there to take him into custody, unquote. Um, so he was arrested on multiple felonies for targeting minor females online, so... Yikes. Not a good for MUFON. 
so despite uh, being threatened by the uh, the monolith stories, Brazil UFO crash, the workout ghost video, Wisconsin Bigfoot bulletin, other stories, uh, this one affects the largest UFO organization in the world, like I mentioned. Uh, despite the uptick in popularity and recognition of UFO and related phenomena, this is another black eye for this organization, as well as the field of research. You know, UFO researchers uh, don't always have a, a good name with the general public or the media, and uh, this certainly does not help at all. And the short-term effect seems minimal. Uh, Harzan just disappeared. We haven't heard really anything about him anymore, and they just quickly... Uh, Mufon just took his name off of stuff and just moved on. Uh, but the story may eventually wear down the organiz- organization's foundation as well as public trust. And there's been a lot of stories over the last couple of years about Mufon and some of the internal conflicts and issues uh, that has caused uh, a lot of their leadership at multiple levels to depart that organization uh, so why this story is only number 10 if it affects such a large organization? Well, although it was a shocking story involving MUFON, it disappeared as quickly as it had appeared. Um, hmm. And of course, number nine, if you tuned in last week, Lake Monsters, but other than Loch Ness. So we had... Uh, the uh, Patagonia region in Argentina, we had the uh, uh, kayaker who sadly uh, disappeared. They found his body later on, and uh, a video came out of what appeared to be a large monster in the lake, completely unrelated, but uh, tied very close together. So, of course, people jumped to that conclusion. Yeah, it's called Naholito. It's a local legend. And, uh, yeah, it uh, looks like a plesiosaur, plesiosaur, however you want to pronounce it. And yeah, there's been some sightings off and on uh, as early as 1922. But there are rumors even back in the late 1800s. So uh, this, this one actually predates the Loch Ness Monster's popularity. And, of course, uh, Ogopogo had a couple of stories during the year. Our beloved Lake Okanagan monster, second most popular uh, cryptid in British Columbia, followed by Sasquatch, of course. Uh, We also had the uh, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, strange-looking dolphin with large teeth and no eyes creature thingamajiggy that I don't think it ever really did get formally... um, formally identified but of course it's more than likely with without eyes it's probably a deep sea creature on the pacific ocean it wasn't as big as what people thought it was either it was actually pretty small uh then of course china had a 10 foot long creature that was seen under the water i'm pretty sure that was a shoal of fish it was a, a video that only lasted 10 seconds that showed this creature moving up and down in the water but i think it was just a bunch of fish together um In early October, we had the Champ Challenge. So Champ is the name of the Lake Champlain monster that nobody really cares about anymore. Got a lot of attention in the 70s and 80s, but nobody cares about him anymore. So 
uh, locals are trying to get this a uh, little bit more popularity, trying to talk, get, uh, talk about it, get people to come forward with sightings so they can put uh, Port Henry, New York on the map and sell some more T-shirts, I'm sure. And what else do we have? Late, late October, another story uh, out of China and North Korea, the Lake Tianchi monster. And, of course, this one was uh, shot by a video. It looks like it was five miles away. And uh, Mr. Yu was taking video, and he saw uh, – he was just taking video, and he saw this dark – just a dot in the video. Uh, it's extremely small, but uh, looking at the size of that lake, uh, that dot is actually pretty darn big. And he knows it wasn't a boat because the lake – was closed. The air, whole area was closed, and he would know because he manages that area. So uh, weird. What is it? What was it? We don't know. We probably never will know. Um, yeah, the area was closed to the public. So why did that story make the top ten? So this was a collection of lake monster stories. Uh, normally, uh, years past, I, I kind of I had a personal kind of rule that uh, each story had to stand on its own. And then uh, kind of ran into the buzzsaw of a really boring year and it decided to put some stories together to be able to put them in the top 10 because uh, some of these stories are pretty cool, but they individually, none of these stories that we see here about lake monsters really could hold it in the top 10. Uh, none of them individually, as cool as any of them would be, none of them could surface, yes, pun intended, could surface in the top 10 by themselves. But by putting them together, bundling them together, they easily swim in at number nine on the list. Uh, some of these stories gain some worldwide attention and, of course, a depth of speculation. Let me stop right there with the puns. Uh, so why is this story only number nine of the so many wonderful Scary stories about water monsters. And, well, despite these intriguing stories, nothing relevant came out of them other than speculation. Uh, videos that people are still arguing about today. And, of course, a little bit of a distraction from COVID-19 coverage. So what about number eight and number seven this week? Well, the number eight story of 2020's top 10 paranormal news stories of 2020. Uh, probably one that you forgot about. Probably one that uh, people are going to be amazed to hear about. And I mentioned a few that didn't make the top 10. Um, so the Utah monolith, uh, I sh shouldn't even say Utah monolith anymore. There's like 15 of these things. Uh, the Brazil UFO crash, the workout video, the Wisconsin Bigfoot Bulletin. Uh, there was also the Wisconsin, uh, Wisconsin, Washington State Department of Transportation Bigfoot sightings, uh, where a strange-looking creature was seen on uh, video camera. Uh, granted, the one picture was actually just uh, one of those wooden things propped up, and they just did it as a joke to get it some attention. Uh, alligator sightings this year couldn't crack the top 10. Uh, we had the Zach Bagans controversy in February. 
Remember that? He plagiarized the book. Yeah. The the one about uh, ghost hunters for dummies. Some bought it. The haunted doll that escaped, which Zach Bagans was behind that one as well. We had the Gettysburg ghost video. Remember that one? What about the dragon sighting? The in China, people think they thought they saw or they heard a dragon. Turned out to be a bird. Remember that one? No. Uh, what about the uh, woolly mammoth? Story. Nah, nobody remembers that one either. Texas Sky Noise? No. What about Scotland's Wild Wallabies? What about that Iceland waterfall creature? Could have been an elf. That was back in August. You know, what about the Yowie droppings? That was a good... I was kind of hoping that would make the top ten, but no. Uh, stolen Bigfoot statues. That almost made the top 10. I'm going to give them all away here because they're going to figure out what's next. What about the Cotopaxi discovery? Yeah, maybe that made the top 10. We'll see. So, got number 10, number 9, number 8. Number 7. No, wait. We got number 10, number 9. Number 8. That's where we left off. Well, again, one you probably probably don't remember. Maybe you do. Maybe once I say it, you'll know. All right, enough waiting. Enough dramatic pause. So the number eight story this year, Mad Mike Hughes and his death and the entire flat earth hoax perpetrated behind his death as well. Don't remember the story? Well, Mad Mike Hughes, publicly known as a flat earth believer, and what he does is he fires himself in the sky with a homemade steam-powered rocket. But this year, he sadly died from injuries resulting from a crash. The crash occurred on February 22nd in the desert near Barstow, California, about a two-hour drive northeast from Los Angeles. The 64-year-old was filming an episode of a new television series called Homemade Astronauts, for the Science Channel uh, when the accident occurred. haven't heard any word. I haven't seen anything if that's out yet or not. If they're going to do anything with it or not. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Hughes was attempting to get his rocket to 5,000 feet, but only managed to get just shy of 2,000 feet. Uh, Mike's parachute seemed to deploy just after takeoff, and it was shredded by the rocket's steam exhaust that has caused the rocket to kind of go a little off kilter, uh, flew up and then peaked and then just uh, just flew off on a, on a kind of a curved course. And of course, without the parachute, the craft headed straight down to the desert floor and people were gasping as it uh, crashed headfirst into the ground. Uh, it was gaining speed right up until impact and onlookers were horrified, knowing that in all likelihood, they just watched somebody die. Uh, Justin Chapman, a journalist on the scene, published the launch via Twitter with a 48-second clip on February 22nd, stating, quote, Mad Mike Hughes just launched himself in a self-made steam-powered rocket and crash-landed, very likely did not survive, unquote. 
so Hughes's rockets were all self-made, and he stated he builds them by trial and error. Has had several crashes over the years, including one less than two years ago that caused him back issues after a very hard landing. They actually had video of that inside of the rocket when that one crashed. Uh, his rockets were launched from the back of a uh, truck trailer. And Chapman also commented that he thought the uh, parachute might have accidentally launched due to rocket rubbing the launch apparatus, or in other words, the trailer. And it happened pretty instantly. Uh, as soon as the rocket lifted off, the, the parachute just kind of fell down. Of course, it hit the steam, and it uh, disintegrated. Apparently, there was other parachutes on board. So, I don't know if uh, what really happened. Nobody will ever know, I guess. And, of course, what about the flat Earth thing? So a lot of headlines speculate the reason for the rocket launches and, and when his death was announced, uh, everybody was using the flat earth thing in the headlines. And that's why it was picked up on the uh, paranormal news feeds. Uh, so everybody speculated the reason for these rocket launches was to prove that the earth was flat. And Hughes had said this during a 2017 interview. However, during a 2019 interview with Space.com, Mike clarified his statement by saying, quote, this flat Earth has nothing to do with the steam rocket launches. It never did. It never will. I'm a daredevil, unquote. Uh, not the comic book creature or uh, character, but uh, just daredevil, like a daredevil. Uh, he also noted uh, his biggest intention was to inspire people. Uh, Darren Schuster, a public relations representative for Hughes, told BuzzFeed News, uh, quote, we use flat earth as a PR stunt, period. And he continued to say uh, he was a true daredevil decades before the latest round of rocket missions. Flat earth allowed us to get so much publicity that we kept going. I know he didn't believe in flat earth and it was just a shtick, unquote, uh, and that's true. It is very true. Once the flat earth stuff came out, uh, his story made headlines. And his um, uh, his adventures before that were went kind of largely ignored. Uh, it was only local coverage. Uh, but of course, once he started doing this whole flat earth thing, uh, he got tons of attention. Uh, he even became a spokesperson for uh, different flat earth organizations so that really helped his popularity so of course if you're going to get popularity you're going to get attention uh, you're going to get people buying your shirts uh, from something as silly as the flat earth thing well of course he's going to continue to milk that and milk it he did uh, so the truth may never be known but Mike, mad Mike Hughes will more than likely go down in history as a flat earth believer who lost in his quest to find the truth, despite the fact that people came out and said, it's not about that. That's what people are going to remember. So why this story made the top 10? Well, the saga of Mike Hughes has lasted many years and has ties with flat earth stories in the past. The crash and death of Hughes was widely covered by the media. Very viral story. And it was actually one of the top stories 
in the pre-pandemic 2020. Of course, uh, late February. So, of course, once we hit March, uh, nobody cared about stuff that happened in January or February anymore. Uh, why the story is only number eight, the death and attention of the plight of Hughes led to the reality that his adventures had nothing to do with the flat earth hypothesis, only that he was a daredevil. So that's our number eight story. What about number seven? Well, I mentioned that we had some UFO stories and number seven is SpaceX UFOs. So SpaceX UFOs. And of course, SpaceX has been launching these uh, Starlink satellites for quite a while now. They've kind of ramped it up recently and they'll have a few more this year to or a, well, I think only one more this year, but I'll have a whole bunch next year. And we didn't have to wait very long for SpaceX launches to create drama in 2020. It was on January 6th of this year that SpaceX launched 60 more satellites of the Starlink variety to bring the total to 180. And those satellites were coated with a dark cover to help lessen the reflectivity from the sun uh, during darkness as the sun is frequently reflected to the viewers on the surface of Earth here. Um, from medium to high altitudes, and that's uh, due to the fact that the Earth actually has a curve, uh, UFO reports flooded in in a few states in the south, including uh, even Nebraska. And, of course, Texas did as well. It was uh, probably the bigger reported area and uh, states in between. Uh, numerous photographs of a line of satellites being uh, launched were taken in the Lone Star State, but luckily many people knew what they were looking at. And then late January, New Zealand residents were feverishly reporting seeing numerous UFOs in the sky, and as expected, Elon Musk's SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket deposited 60 more Starlink satellites that night and again caused numerous people to report UFOs. And this is the fourth trip and this launch was, uh, for this year, this launch was delayed shortly by weather before being launched. Uh, fourth total. Uh, in their defense, many people did report what looked like satellites on social media. But uh, again, still others were perplexed by the long string of lights in the sky. Now we head to late March. Manitoba. Manitoba, Canada. They uh, reported a lot of strange lights in the sky. People were flocked to social media to talk about their experiences of seeing lighted objects moving through the sky. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, you know, but the big thing here is, you know, we're talking about not just clouding up the sky with these things, but it's, it's potentially, you know, I mentioned the reflectivity. So once the sun sets, up until about uh, you know 12, 1 o'clock when the sun is going around the curve. These satellites up in medium and high orbit will reflect the sunlight. You can't see it. The sunlight doesn't really have much to hit as it goes by, so it's, it's dark. Um, but if it, something hits it, of course, we get the glint of the glare. Uh, we call it, sometimes call it an iridium flare, uh, that bright white light that comes back down to us. And these satellites are doing that. Well, that's why they put this uh, black stuff on there. But these artificial stars 
uh, could potentially rob our children or our children's children. Well, children shouldn't be having children, you know, when they get older and have children, I guess. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, they won't be able to see the sky for what we saw it. With all this extra light in the sky. Um, gosh, 12,000 of these things plus they want to launch. Uh, that's just one company. Uh, granted, we had one other company uh, go bankrupt this year. So not sure if that's going to, they're still going to launch anything. But there's uh, Google, is plan, or uh, Amazon, I'm sorry, Amazon's planning on launching some too. Uh, Belgium. We mentioned Belgium with the monolith, not waffles. That sounds good, though. Uh, Belgium didn't have any reports of UFOs for the month of March sent to MUFON. Even though the uh, Telegraph points out Belgium had a record month in UFO sightings. Uh, according to an article, there were 87 reports in March, 188 for the year. Um, but... They had some uh, sightings of this, these Starlink satellites again. Uh, also in, uh, was that May? Uh, Michigan reported after Starlink satellites did a flyover. It was an influx of UFO reports in southern Michigan. It was also uh, April 19th in Great Britain as a string of satellites flew across the sky. Even though they were warned about it, people still reported seeing UFOs. Uh, of course, uh, last month, November, I talked about the Kessler syndrome, where having too many objects in the low Earth orbit increases the chance of collisions. A single collision could create a chain reaction that creates even more debris that continues to destroy even more satellites. And the destruction just spread out all over Earth's atmosphere. And we can't launch anything else. And, uh, of course, we can't go back into space until all this stuff clears out. And we almost had one. We almost had a, There was a close call between a Russian satellite and a spent Chinese rocket in October. It didn't happen, but it's pretty close. So Starlink satellites are starting to build up, and I think that's the good thing here. UFO reports are starting to dwindle, but it's still a thing, and people are still confused by what they see in the sky. So why did this story make the top ten? Of course, UFO sightings were said to be on the rise this year, but so were Starlink satellites uh, launches. Uh, the launches are not only causing UFO sightings, but also concerned by astronomers and other scientists about our ability to see the night sky and not end up trapping ourselves on Earth. So why was the story only number seven if it explains so many UFO sightings? Surprisingly, the satellite launches created minimal accounts of UFOs compared to what I had predicted and what others had predicted. Uh, the negative press uh, that they received last year about Starlink uh, was really minimal. It's hardly anything compared to last year. And uh, of course, it looks like these launches will increase and these UFOs will become more recognizable over time. So that's your number seven story of the year so far. So far, and that's your show for tonight. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, sorry, I went a little bit over, but that's uh, that's what we do, of course, sometimes. But uh, that's it for this week. Hope to see you next week. But for now, keep your eyes in the skies and watch out for that glint of a Starlink satellite. Keep your ears in the woods, the hair standing on the back of your neck, and always keep your mind slightly ajar. And above all else, don't stop.
believing. For the Paranormal News Insider, this is Dr. Brian D. Parsons reporting.